I'm Bill. And I'm T-Dog. And this is Two Films, Two Films, Two Curious. Too curious. Where the two of us watch two movies. And we're curious about them. Also, despite the fact that I didn't sing or ring a bell, this is our Christmas episode. We rang the bells in our hearts. We did. Oh, I have bells on the door. <laughs> I have jingle bells on the door, but that's I have not some funny. somewhere. It's for it's for um, a puppy if the puppy needs to go potty. Oh, so shouldn't ring those. No. Anyways, <clears throat> uh, for our Christmas episode this year, kind of like last year, uh, we picked a Christmas movie and a not Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scrooged, the modern adaptation of A Christmas Carol set in the 1980s, present day at that time. Uh, and There Will Be Blood, uh, a, a period piece about an oil man. And we, milkshakes and all kinds of stuff. Exactly. <laughs> and like last year, where we discussed consumerism and capitalism, this year we talked about greed. And, a lot of greed going on in these movies. Yes. As it's the Christmas episode, I'm greedy for you to open up your present. <laughs> I do have a present. It's from Engraving One to T-Dog Tornbloom. That's me. That's you. It's very crinkly, but it's a nice present. All right. Let me tell you about this. As you know, it has a song on it, I think. Frequent Spotify user Tyler Tornblum. I'm certain that you know (laughs) that Spotify has a proprietary QR code analog. That that looks like little sound waves, which is pretty cool. It's pretty neat. So when you log on to your Spotify app, which I know you use regularly. Which I certainly have installed. Yes. (laughs) You can search using an image. You would take a picture of that code, and it would play Daughter by Loudon Wainwright III. You know, that's my daughter in the water. <laughs> no! Yes. <laughs> See, when you said I didn't even know what song that was, but now I know. So, uh, so that's the- in... The movie Knocked Up? No, no, no. It was written for the movie Knocked Up. Oh. (laughs) Tyler and I, T-Dog and I, have spent uh, many years working in a professional capacity together outside of this podcast. Uh, A couple of months of which Mm -hmm. was spent at the University of Texas at Dallas on-campus bookstore. Uh, The manager of which, when he would get in first, would often change the... uh, in-store radio to a, uh, mm-hmm. a radio station called Old Sad Bastard Music. I think that I, was, I think the, official that was the official name, yeah. Yeah, we called it Coffee House Cafe, but we know that it was really <laughs> called Old Sad Bastard Music. And oh my gosh, it, it just made you want to like squish your head under a thousand copies of Intermediate Accounting. Which is and, a heavy uh, book. That's a heavy book. Uh one of the worst songs on there, though. One of the songs, it's probably not a bad song, but boy, I did not like it. Daughter by Loudon Wainwright III. So now you have that on a keychain forever and ever so that you can listen to it on Spotify, which you don't ever use. And, I don't. Uh, in fact, I'm trying to log in now, and it said <laughs> that I have to change my country setting. Oh, no. So I think someone else is using my Spotify account, oh, no. probably. <laughs> 
So yeah, that's a uh, Merry Christmas. That's the really shitty Christmas present you get this year. Although you do have the same present from last year currently sitting in your house because I know I bought you a bottle of cold duck already. So mm-hmm. anyways, that's my present to you. But we also have a present for you all. For our, our listeners. listeners. Yes. All of you. Even two, you. I know you think you. it might not. Even you. So <clears throat> Two Films, Three Curious alum, Brenda, who is also the uh, sponsor of What Do You Do MCU on uh, our special features, uh, is a huge fan of Christmas movies. She huge fan of Christmas. Of just in, right, exactly. But just like if there's a Christmas movie out there, with the exception of sort of Christmas horror movies, my mom isn't a fan of like she. I would I would presume her not to be a fan of like Black Christmas or Krampus or something of that nature. Uh-huh. But anything else, she's on board. And we've even, asked her even what, even some of the movies that are only technically Christmas movies. Yes, she was a fan of Die Hard, not a fan of Batman Returns, but I think that has less to do with Christmas and more to do with you know Batman. Yeah, Right. Uh, but we asked her to put together a list of seven Christmas movies to stream this season. And she uh, was equal to the task. And I'm going to read for you now what she has said. <clears throat> we'll probably post it on our Facebook page uh, as well later on. Uh, but you'll have an opportunity to watch one or more of these movies in your future between now, Christmas Eve, and tomorrow, Christmas Day. Or if you're watching this after Christmas or listening to this after Christmas, you can watch them whenever. This, you know, We're not the boss of you. Do what you got to do. You should keep Christmas in your heart all year long anyway. So, Hey, you know, I was listening to that song from Christmas Eve on Sesame Street just the other day while I was supposed to be doing work, and I openly sobbed while here at my desk. So, you know, it's just something that happens during Christmas time, mm-hmm. like you do. Anyways, <clears throat> seven Christmas films. Oh, uh, I forgot to say, she has them in alternating red and green colors. She's used alternating red and green ink. <laughs> she went all out. I'm fully on board. <clears throat> seven Christmas films to stream this season. Quote, my list of seven Christmas films to stream is divided into three categories. Each category with one better and one lesser known film. In the seventh film, sorry, the seventh film represents inclusivity in Christmas filmography. So, category one, romantic The Holiday from 2006 finds Iris, Kate Winslet, and Amanda, Cameron Diaz, jilted and weary of love. Eager for a change of scenery, they arrange a house swap across the Atlantic. As sometimes happens in romantic movies, movies, uh, that which the two leading women were trying to avoid finds them anyway, by way of leading men, Jack Black and Jude Law. While I find the whole film charming, the very best scenes are those involving Kate, Jack, and Eli Wallach as Iris's temporary neighbor. It's available on iTunes, Vudu, and Amazon Prime if you want to rent it, although I did see also that you can uh, use it if you have, or watch it if you have a subscription to DirecTV or Sling or Fubo oh. or some of those other things as well. So uh, you have those as options for you. And I gotta say, it's a great movie. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. It's a lot of fun. And Jack, Jack Black, It's the most serious I've ever seen him. And he's still like Jack Black. Like he's still, he does a thing where his his job in the movie is he like composes music for like movies and TV shows and stuff. 
Uh, and there's a scene where they're in a movie rental store and he's showing uh, Kate Winslet some movies that she could check out. And he keeps doing the score in the way that Jack Black would oh. sing a song. And it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you can turn it off. It's just Jack Black. Right. <clears throat> the other one in the romantic category, While You Were Sleeping, 1995. Lucy, Sandra Bullock, is a token taker for the Chicago Transit Authority and secretly harbors a crush on a commuter, Peter, played by Peter Gallagher, whose life she saves when he falls on the tracks during a mugging on Christmas morning. Lucy follows the ambulance to the hospital where Peter is in a coma. Lucy is misinterpreted by a nurse who announces to Peter's family that Lucy is Peter's fiancée. Throughout the movie, Lucy tries unsuccessfully to find the right time to reveal the truth to the family of whom she is becoming increasingly fond, especially Peter's brother, Jack, played by Bill Pullman, President Bill Pullman. All is revealed during a hospital wedding ceremony between Lucy and Peter. Fortunately, all works out in the end. The film is liberally peppered with fun performances by Peter Boyle, Glennis Johns, and Jack Warden. Also available on iTunes, Amazon Prime, Vudu, and YouTube, but also Disney Plus. If you have a Disney Plus subscription to watch your Mandalorian, you can also watch While You Were Sleeping. As much as I like The Holiday, While You Were Sleeping is hilarious. Uh, Sandra Bullock's like the super of her apartment is so funny. There's a scene where like he's over at her apartment cause he keeps flirting with her and she's like, no, I'm not having any part of this, but then Bill Pullman shows up. And so like, she has to make it look like she doesn't have any men at her apartment. And he, she shoves him into a closet. And then like after Bill Pullman leaves, she hears like a clattering and he's like sitting on the floor of the closet as if he had fallen down and he's trying to put on her high heels and he's like, I'm sorry, I just, my foot, it's, it just slipped, it slipped right in. It's funny. It's a good movie. <clears throat> What's our the next cat- category? Category is classic. <clears throat> White Christmas, 1954. Brenda's favorite Christmas movie, also Two Film Street Curious alum Devin's favorite Christmas movie, mm-hmm. features two successful performers, Bob Wallace and Phil Davis, played by Bing Crosby and Danny Kaye, respectively, who team up with a sister act. Betty and Judy Haynes, played by Rosemary Clooney and Vera Ellen, respectively. Rosemary Clooney, George's aunt. Uh, They team up to perform at the Columbia Inn in Pine Tree, Vermont. Bob and Phil are surprised to find that General Waverly, whom they served with during the war, World War II, is the owner-operator of Pine Tree Inn, and that the inn is in financial trouble. Together, the four performers hatch a plan to put on a Wallace and Davis show to to draw guests and help save the inn. In the midst of planning and all the rehearsals, the inn's nosy receptionist, Mary Wicks, the most nosy person in all of Hollywood, listens in on a phone call with Bob Wallace and almost derails a budding romance between Bob and Betty. But love prevails, uh, and the film concludes with what is probably the most iconic rendition of White Christmas in the history of film. It's available on Netflix, YouTube, Vudu, and Amazon Prime. Uh, I watched a scene that that last scene from it the other day on YouTube, but I clicked the wrong one. And so it's singing and it's nice and I love it. And then we get to the dialogue and it's all in German. And I'm like, okay, well, I know what they're saying. <laughs> like I've seen this movie a million times, but I was surprised that they start talking. I'm like, that's not, that's not, that's not right at all. <clears throat> the less well-known one is Christmas in Connecticut. Christmas in Connecticut, 1945. Features Elizabeth Lane, played by Barbara Stanwyck, a single New Yorker who writes articles about her fictitious life on her fictitious farm in Connecticut with her fictitious husband and fictitious baby. She is widely admired for her charming detailing of menus, recipes, decor, and general picture-perfect home life. 
Through a turn of events, Elizabeth is forced to prepare a meal for a returning war hero, Jefferson Jones, played by Dennis Morgan, on her non-existent farm with her non-existent family. Through a series of machinations that only Hollywood can make plausible, it looks like they might be successful until Elizabeth and Jefferson find themselves falling in love. This black-and-white film is often overlooked in lists of great holiday flicks, but it's one that I enjoy every year, and I hope you do too. It's funny that she uses I here, because I have not seen this one, and it's like (laughs) one of two on this list I haven't seen. I've seen pretty much all of the other ones. It's available on YouTube, Google Play Movies, Vudu, and Amazon Prime. I'm guessing for rental or purchase on all of those places. Have you seen White Christmas? So far, I don't think I've seen any of the movies that have been on this list. I think that if I were making recommendations for you, T-Dog, I would recommend for sure The Holiday. Uh, But I could see you enjoying While You Were Sleeping and White Christmas as well. White Christmas, Mm. at least, just for the general wonderful holidayness of it. Although it may show up uh, as next year's uh, Christmas special. Uh, Well, then I will see it. There you go. Category three, comedy. Here's one I know you've seen. Home Alone, 1990, hardly needs any introduction. But in case some of you have recently crawled out from your cave, Home Alone is the story of an eight-year-old boy, Kevin, Macaulay Culkin, who is inadvertently left at home by himself while his big, loud family head to France for the Christmas holiday. A pair of bungling bandits, Harry and Marv, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, respectively, had been scoping out the homes in Kevin's neighborhood and had made plans to rob the houses where people are gone for the holidays. Unbeknownst to them, at least at the beginning, Kevin is indeed home and is prepared to do battle to save it. She says, I watch this movie at least once or twice every year and laugh until my face hurts each time. It is also on Disney Plus, as well as YouTube, Google Play Movies, Voodoo, and Amazon Prime. And we saw it at the Dallas Opera, yeah. they, right? Yeah. Where they, they have the orchestra playing the soundtrack. Yeah, that was super cool. If you guys have the opportunity to visit your local symphony orchestras, uh, oftentimes as sort of a way to get people that don't typically go to symphonies to come to the symphony and also raise more money, they'll do this thing where they have a live symphony playing the score for a movie in like as you watch the movie. And so you and I have seen Home Alone and Star and Wars Hope, that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I went and saw little mermaid with Devin, and that was really cool and they do a whole bunch of movies it's a it's a really fun experience especially if you like the movie but i feel like that's not even a requirement if you just sort of like oh that movie's fun it's still really great to go see the symphony play it <clears throat> the ref 1994 is a darker comedy a pretty substantially dark comedy about another <laughs> bungling duo set on home invasion gus played by dennis leary and murray richard bright through a series of mishaps uh, Gus ends up taking suburban couple Lloyd and Carolyn hostage in their own home. The problem is Lloyd and Carolyn have grown so distant that they all seem all they seem to be able to do is argue and criticize each other. The plot is complicated by the appearance of their visiting family, the matriarch played once again by Glennis Johns, <clears throat> and the return of their troubled young son from military boarding school. In the end, the burglar becomes the family therapist. Uh, this is a fun movie. The darkest part of which is the fact that Lloyd is played, of course, by Kevin Spacey. If you are able to squeeze your eyes really tight while watching his scenes he's in and pretend it's, say, well, anyone else on screen, I think you'll still enjoy this movie. It's available on Amazon Prime, Voodoo, YouTube, and Google Play, and it is hilarious. It's probably, like, it's probably the darkest of the Christmas movies that my mom, I know, would enjoy. And it, mm-hmm. it's great, and she loves it. It's a, it's a hilarious movie. 
The last one, the inclusive Christmas movie, is also the only Hallmark one that my mom picked. <clears throat> Christmas House from 2020 begins with Phyllis, Sharon Lawrence, who has recently joined her husband in retirement and her husband, Bill, played by Treat Williams, calling their family, son, uh, <clears throat> Mike, played by Robert Buckley, his brother, Brandon, played by Jonathan Bennett, and Brandon's husband, Jake, played by Brad Harder, home to repeat a Christmas tradition one last time before selling the family home. Each of the three couples, Mike meets up with a childhood friend slash crush, have their own issues to work together during the course of setting up the, quote, Christmas house for its final year. Phyllis is coming to grips with her identity as she enters retirement and an impending separation from Bill. Mike struggles with mixed emotions surrounding the sale of the home he grew up in, complicated by the fact that the woman he's never really stopped having a crush on is the real estate agent. And, happily, Brandon and Jake's story is not the typical coming-out story that is too often the LGBT plotline in the movie. Instead, Brandon and Jake are trying to remain hopeful about an adoption after having had a couple Aww. of their adoptions fall through. There are so many touching moments in this film, which also is Latinx-inclusive, uh, punctuated by some silly scenes showing Phyllis's over-the-top approach to Christmas preparations. Available on, parenthetically, Do Not Groan, the Hallmark Channel. I gotta say that I understand the the flack that Hallmark often gets with these types of things, uh, but if there was ever a time to be cheesy, Christmas is that time. Mm -hmm. And uh, having, I have not seen Christmas House, but hearing that particular description, it seems a little bit more solid than some of the other ones. So I would say go for it. Uh, and while you're there, you should also watch, uh, oh, what's it called? I believe it's called Home for the Holidays. No, let's see. Hallmark Chris. Uh, I think that something being predictable is also not a reason to knock it. Like the, the how every Hallmark movie, you know, has you can kind of tell where it's going yeah. by the first like couple lines of dialogue. Like what's going to happen? True. I don't That's think true. something being predictable is. I mean, if you're not looking for that, obviously you don't watch it. But like, no, I there agree. are plenty of things I love that I know the good guys are going to win. I'm not I concerned think... about you know, but. I still enjoy it. I think about that a lot with Frasier. I think that Frasier is an amazing television show. And when you watch an episode, generally speaking, within the first five minutes, you know how it's going to end. But the point of it isn't the end. The point of it is how you got there. And mm -hmm. I think that some of these movies are the same way. <clears throat> the movie I was thinking of is The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, which stars Henry Winkler as Uncle Ralph. Uh, do you remember there was a marketing thing that Hallmark did for a while where there, it was like a, like a green bunny and a pink cat? And they were on some of their cars. It, it looked a lot like, that. <laughs> but they were they were on all like a whole bunch of their cards, and they were called Hoops and Yo-Yo. They did a thing for a while, maybe it was just for the one year, where Hoops and Yo-Yo hosted a movie, like a Christmas movie, and oh. so you could watch like at the at the beginning and end of each of the commercial break, Hoops and Yo-Yo would talk about the movie, mm -hmm. and they did. It's a most wonderful time of the year, and they kept talking about how uh, Henry Winkler was Uncle Fonzie. <laughs> they're like it's Fonzie. He's in it. We love him. And I'm I'm kind of sad that that's a thing that you can't find anymore because their version of it was quite great. But it's also a fun. It's a fun Hallmark movie. I think that people, if you have not seen a Hallmark movie yet, I would say absolutely check out uh, our recommendation here for uh, Christmas, Christmas House. 
but also for uh, the most wonderful time of the year. So, anyways. I'll throw a Christmas movie recommendation out there. Yeah. The new animated Grinch. Oh, okay. It's very, very good. I... As a person who loves the old animated one and not the live action one, this one is very good. Make you cry, make you laugh. That's good to know. I it know makes you have Christmas in your heart. It makes your heart grow three sizes. <laughs> when it first came out, I was excited because the um, the director is Scott Mosier, right? I think so. Nineteen. Scott Mosier is um, the where is it? Adaptations. Anyways, uh, yeah, here it is. Uh, directed by Garrow Chaney and Scott Mosier. Scott Mosier is in a bunch of Kevin Smith stuff. Oh. He, the Smodcast, their podcast, uh, is Kevin Smith and Scott Mosier. Um, and he's uh, like one of the characters that sets up one of the most crass scenes in Clerks 1. Like he's just, he's all over Kevin Smith's stuff. And so when I first, when they first announced it, I'm like, well, that's a really neat I hope that it's not weird. And apparently it's great. So. No, it's very wholesome compared to Kevin Smith movies. <laughs> That's good to know. I'll have to watch it. I've not seen it yet. But based on your recommendation, I will watch it. Do you think that as someone who liked the animated and the live action, I might like this movie? Yes. All right. It's just very good. And it's Benedict Cumberbatch is the voice and he does a good job. That's good, because I think that sometimes... I feel like there was a moment where we just got Benedict Cumberbatch to do a lot of voices, and I thought, some of these... Not all of them are great, yeah. I don't like him as Khan or Smog. I like him as Smog. Mm-hmm. Well, you're not a huge Lord of the Rings fan, I guess, so that's probably... <laughs> Anyways. Kidding. All right, so... Our movies. Uh, our movies. Our movies are... Uh, Scrooged and There Will Be Blood, and we're talking about greed. You want to do Scrooged first? I will talk about Scrooged. So our main character, Frank Cross, who is played by Bill Murray, um, he's pushing for this live action, like or like live production of A Christmas Carol on Christmas Eve, and it's going to be like the big thing that makes the network a lot of money. Um, He, You learn right away that he's just an absolute dickhead, like – he wants the commercial to be this like terrorism, global warming, all this stuff. Your life will depend on watching, <laughs> on seeing a Christmas carol. <laughs> um, you find out later it actually kills someone from they have a heart attack after they watch it, which is just like the it's such a minor plot point. And he's like, "This is the best case scenario." Yeah. You just you just know that he's an asshole. Uh, it goes through all of his like what he's giving people for Christmas, and he's like, oh, "Give them a towel, give them a towel." Oh, that guy. Oh, I guess we'll give him the, it's like a VHS recording thing, yeah. home movie thing. Towel, towel. It's like all towels. <laughs> um, Your own brother, towel. Yep. Gives his brother a towel too. Um, <clears throat> that first, kind of the night before everything, the night before it, so it would be today, December 23rd. Um, he gets visited by visited by the ghost of his old mentor who died of a heart attack. Um, he warns him. He's the, you know, the, the first guy that's like three ghosts are going to come visit you. And you have, you know, if you don't take their lessons to heart, then like you die, you have a horrible life, whatever. Um, 
As the rehearsals start the next day, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past, which appears as a taxi driver, um, takes him to the past. You see he had a very bad childhood where really the TV was like his only comfort, really. Um, that's why he became so obsessed with TV, became, you know, started working for a TV company. Um, oh, I should say before that, he called his old, like, ex and and asked, like, wanted her to help him, basically. Yeah. Um, so they kind of start to reconnect, but she can, she still gives him a chance. And even though he's just the worst person ever and he keeps fucking it up, but he goes to the past. He also sees when he broke up with his ex because he wanted his job. And that was more important than spending time with his ex and their friends. Um, the taxi cab eventually takes him back. Um, he goes, they're kind of watching everything. All the, uh, the Christmas Carol stuff is about to start when he gets visited by the ghost of Christmas present, which is this fairy that beats the shit out of him. (laughs) Just like absolutely (laughs) really wallops on him, which is, I have a fun fact about that when when we get to the fun facts. Um, She takes him to his assistant's house. Or like, it's like, is is it a secretary? It's one of his, like a secretary. Um, Shows her how, you know, they're struggling. He doesn't pay him enough money. They have a, their son who's remained mute the whole, since his father got murdered in front of him. Um, so he learns all this stuff. He gets left in a utility space and finds one of his coworkers, I think, right? Frozen yeah. to death. Um, oh, it's the guy from the homeless shelter. Oh, it is the guy from the homeless shelter. You're right. That he, that he met when he was talking to his ex. Yeah. Um, at this point, it's already happened that he fired one of his, like, you know, employees on Christmas Eve and you, the guy just, they constantly cross paths like in bad ways. He's just having the worst day. This Poor guy. Bob Cratchit. What's his name in the movie? Uh, Elliot Krauss or he's, Elliot Loudermilk. That's what it is. He sells his blood to get some alcohol, but then passes out because he doesn't have blood. And then someone steals his alcohol and his coat and his watch and stuff. He's just having a really, really bad day. Um, after he has the ghost of Christmas present, stuff uh he gets back to his office he finds that elliot is there with a shotgun ready to kill him because you know he ruined his life right before christmas his wife left him his family's falling apart um frank manages to escape he's just a really bad shot with the gun elliot i think uh frank escapes into an elevator and he meets the ghost of christmas future takes him to the future where um calvin has become catonic and institutionalized and claire has heeded frank words and shunned the homeless and became like Frank. Um, and then he, you know, he finds himself dead and it's really just his brother that's there. No, like no one, no one cares about him. This, you know, the, his life's going to be awful if he doesn't change his ways. He comes back from that. Him and Elliot kind of become friends. They take over the production set. Um, and then he just comes down, he interrupts the Christmas Carol, you know, talks about what Christmas should be, um, asks for Claire to come back, kind of tells his boss to go fuck himself in a way. Um, and then everyone sings and everyone's happy. That's it. And you That's still get the, uh, you get the classic line. You get the God bless us, everyone. Yep. That is, that is Scrooged. <clears throat> so there will be blood. Uh, has, uh, 
what's his name? President Lincoln as Daniel Plainview. Daniel Day-Lewis. There we go. Daniel Plainview. Wow, I'm so lost. Where are my notes? Here we go. <clears throat> yep. Uh, Daniel Plainview as uh, he's a he's an oil man. He goes uh, from like it, I guess the movie starts with him digging his own oil well, uh, which he like oil starts coming up and he can hire more people and they start to get it out. Uh, and his partner actually dies at the oil well, leaving his infant son, which Daniel Plainview starts to raise himself. Uh, <clears throat> the movie jumps forward about eight or ten years, and Daniel and his son hw are going from town to town to places where they know oil to be so that they can buy at obscenely low values the land there because Mm -hmm. like you guys can't get the oil off of it but i can so sell me the land or rent me the land and i'll get the oil off obviously and you'll get some of the money too but the thing is he's not doing that for them he's doing it for him (laughs) a guy approaches him and is like hey how much is it worth to you if i tell you a, a bunch of land where there's a ton of oil and they're like, tell us the land and we'll give you the money. He's like, no, 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 give me the money and I'll tell you the land. They give him the money and he's like, all right, yeah, it's my family, their land. He shows them. And so uh, Daniel and his son HW go up there and like, oh, yeah, we just, we're, we're here for hunting. And uh, they're like, oh, okay. And they're like, man, boy, this hunting was great. Can we buy your land for hunting? And he's like, you don't want the oil? And he's like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, we want the oil. <laughs> and so um, you find out that like, it was the, the guy who told him about it. A twin brother is there and he is not on board with this. He is, he thinks that this is like, he knows that Daniel is lying. He's just trying to get money. And so he's like, yeah, okay, you can have the land, but you got to fund my church. And da- Daniel is like, fuck, fine. And the other guy was like, oh, I didn't think that was going to happen. So they start building the church and they're building the whole apparatus for, with which you get oil out. And uh, like, it's, it's a little fraught, uh, at a certain point, uh, it, like the thing explodes, oil comes out, and HW is knocked like yards back onto like like he's prone and he goes deaf. He can't hear mm-hmm. anymore. Uh, <clears throat> and around that same time, the the oil rig catches on fire, and so they finally get the fire out. <clears throat> HW still can't hear, uh, and this guy shows up. Benny from the Mummy, and he's like, "No, my name's not Benny. I'm your brother, your half brother, Daniel Plainview." <laughs> and so they go to hang out, and uh, he's like, "I gotta go. We gotta plot out this land to the sea so that we can build a pipeline because I'm not going to sell my oil to the oil company because they're they've got a vertical monopoly. I'm going to transport it myself." And so they get out there, and uh, he's like, "Benny, it looks like." you're on the wrong side of the river because you're not actually my half brother. And he's like, yes, Daniel Plainview, I've got all the horses and information about your actual half brother who died. I was just trying to get a job. And Daniel's like, no, fuck this noise. And he kills him. <clears throat> at the uh, Previously, he had sent his son HW to go learn at a school in San Francisco in a very shitty way. He's like, yeah, we're going to go to San Francisco, get on a train. And he's like, oh, I got to go talk to the conductor. And then HW looks <laughs> up and his dad is out on the train. And he's like, ah! <laughs> <clears throat> so anyways he's not a good person no he's super not uh anyways he's camping on this land the only part of the land that he doesn't own yet from building the pipeline and the guy's like i know what you did you sinned i'll let you rent this part of the land for your pipeline if you go repent and so he goes to the church and uh like eli the guy who owns the church is just 
being like he he knows that he can get back at Daniel for all the shit that Daniel's done to him so far in the movie. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I need you to say that you repent. I need you to say that you're a sinner. He's like, I repent, I'm a sinner, or whatever. And he's like, I need you to say that you abandoned your son. And it, and Daniel's like, Oh no, I abandoned my son. This is horrible. <clears throat> and so then he brings his son back, but then it jumps forward again and uh his son shows up with like his interpreter friend he's married eli's sister and he's like hey i need you to get me i need to get out of this contract i'm gonna go get oil in mexico and he was like oh you're gonna you're gonna leave me out after i've helped you so much you're not even my son i don't even like you and so then he leaves and then eli shows up and he's like hey i'm falling on some hard times i'll sell you that land and daniel's like that land there and he's like yeah and he's like all right I'll buy it from you, but you need to say that all of your religion is a fake and you lie from the pulpit every day. And Eli's like, fine. And he says it. And then he's like, joke's on you. That's not how oil works. I've already stolen all of your oil because it's all connected and I've gotten it from all of the other places in the land. I took a very long milk straw to your milkshake and I drank it up. And then he kills him. And that's uh, that's their whooping. With a bowling pin. Yep. Kills Straight up kills him with it. It's pretty intense. Anyways, <clears throat> that's There Will Be Blood. Uh, do you have any fun facts for us? I do have some fun facts. So <clears throat> the one I mentioned, when the ghost of Christmas Present grabs Bill Murray's lip, mm-hmm. the first time she tore it so badly that filming was halted for several days. Oh, no. <laughs> it's just brutal. That's rough. Um Next one is that Bill Murray falling on his way out of the restaurant is said to be unscripted and a genuine accident. Apparently, it was due to the wa- the stairs still being wet when he splashes the waiter with water <laughs> that caused him to slip. It's a perfect move, and it feels very Bill Murray, so it's on brand. Uh, do you know what Roger Ebert said about this film? No. That it was the worst film adaptation of A Christmas Carol he's ever seen. Wow. I got to say, I do not agree, Roger Ebert. I think this movie, I'm not going to say that it's the best adaptation. I can think of at least two that I like more. It's a unique adaptation at it's the very unique. least. And it's, I think that it is like a, a well-made adaptation. Yeah. Oh, well. Um, all of Bill Murray's acting brothers are in this movie. John, Joel, and Brian. Oh, I only know about Joel and Brian. Joel is his act, is his brother in the movie, right? And Brian <laughs> plays his dad? John is the only one. John is the one that played his on-screen brother. Joel plays oh. one of the guests at John's party. And oh. yeah, Brian, Brian plays his father. Okay. Um, the bit at the very end, like during the credits, when Frank tries to get the audience in the movie theater to participate is ad-libbed. So okay. apparently it was, so, it was another fun fact that like, a lot of Bill Murray's lines in this were ad-libbed. And that someone said that watching him is like watching the police officer in the middle of like a very, very busy intersection and the lights are down. That that he's just like so good at improv. I mean, it's Bill Murray, so of course he is, but. All right. Tell us some fun facts about There Will Be Blood. This one I love because it's like the same way that Daniel Day-Lewis is crazy and does like crazy method acting. Every Wednesday night during editing, Paul Thomas Anderson, who's a director, and company would have just steak and straight vodka for dinner to keep in the mentality of Daniel Plainview. <laughs> Which, I mean, it, I don't think that sounds like a pretty bad dinner. It's, it's pretty uh, no. good. Yeah, I'm on board with that. This is the first film directed by Paul Thomas Anderson that does not feature Philip Seymour Hoffman. Huh. The only one before he passed away. Interesting. 
Um, I wonder who he would have played. Like, I, I don't know. Oh, I guess he could have played Daniel Plainview's, like, assistant helper guy. Oh, yeah, that would have been good. Um, Daniel Day-Lewis used oral histories from the time period to create Plainview's distinctive voices, which is just another, you know, little Daniel Day-Lewis way to do it. Um, also, Harvard, who plays the deaf adult H.W., um, at the end of the film, is actually deaf. Oh. Which is always good when they have someone who is actually deaf playing a deaf role. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> and Daniel Day-Lewis appears in every scene in the film with two minor exceptions. He's not present in the scene where Eli Sunday, still covered in mud, berates his father, or in the brief montage of H.W. and Mary Sunday leading up to their marriage. But he's in every other scene. That's interesting. I don't think that I made that connection before, but it makes sense, I guess. It is, I mean, it is about him. Yeah. Did you know, I don't know, Are you? have you finished your fun facts? Yep, that was number, that was number five. Because I have a fun fact. <clears throat> uh, the Sunday brothers were not supposed to be twins at the beginning. Oh. But the first scene they shot with the person that was originally supposed to be Eli Sunday uh, was the scene where Daniel Day-Lewis attacked him in the bowling alley. Mm-hmm. And he actually like hooked the bowling pin at the guy and he was like, fuck this. I'm out. I'm not going to do it. And so Paul Dano was like, well, I guess they could be twins. I'll play both brothers. Wow. So there you go. I thought you were going to tell me that Daniel Day Lewis actually killed the guy. He did. It's crazy. (laughs) Also, uh, this is the thing that I was going to read. Uh, I love Scrooge. I think it's amazing, but I feel like Scrooge misses a scene that is very important in A Christmas Carol. And it was the whole reason for me picking A Christmas Carol for this episode. And it wasn't in there. So we're going to, I'm going to read it now from the book. This is from A Christmas Carol, uh, the second of the three spirits, the section called the second of the three spirits, Mm -hmm. ignorance and want. Forgive me, forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, said Scrooge, looking intently at the spirit's robe. But I see something strange and not belonging to yourself, protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or, or a claw? It may be a claw for all the flesh there is on it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here. From the foldings of its robe, it brought two children, wretched and abject, frightful, hideous, miserable. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh, man. Look here. Look, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate, too, in their humility, where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with the freshest tints. A stale and shriveled hand, like that of old age, had pinched and twisted them and had pulled them into shreds. Where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked and glared out menacingly. No change, no degradation, no preservation of humanity in any grade through all of the mysteries of wonderful creation has monsters half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back appalled. Having them shown to him in this way, he tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. They are man's, said the spirit, looking down upon them. And they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. The boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both, and of all of their degree. But most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that which is written doom. 
unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit, stretching out its hand towards the city. Slander those who tell it ye. Admit it for your fatuous purposes, and make it worse, and abide the end. Have they no refuge or resource, cried Scrooge? Are there no prisons, said the spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? I think that's a very important part of that uh, book. And uh, if you would like to see it performed, the Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol has a good version of it. I was going to say, I feel like not every Christmas Carol adaptation touches on that. No, I think that I was watching a thing the other day. Um, I was watching the YouTube show, Welcome to the Basement, where they were talking about Christmas carols. And one of the things that they had said was that it's it's hard or it's easy to forget that sometimes that when this story was originally written, it was a horror story. This is a ghost story. It's supposed to be frightening and unnerving. And so there are elements of that in other ones still. I think that the Patrick Stewart Christmas Carol has some scary things in it. I think the George C. Scott one does. I've not seen the Jim Carrey one, but I think that it has. I know that it's a little bit creepy sometimes. Uh, but like the Muppet Christmas Carol isn't scary and Mickey's uh-huh. Christmas Carol isn't scary. Uh, Scrooge isn't overtly scary. Um, but <clears throat> I think yeah, it that, plays it off as a gag. The, yeah. The kind of horror, quote unquote, parts of it. But I think that that scene is vitally important, but sometimes tonally out of place. Mm-hmm. So anyways, let's talk about some similarities and differences. Here is a similarity. No, a difference that you may have missed, except I think I told it to you earlier. <clears throat> In Scrooged, uh, Frank Cross is not able to banish the ghosts that visit him as much as he might want to. He tries and he mm-hmm. cannot. He does. He really does try. Eli Sunday in There Will Be Blood is able to banish the ghost from that old lady's arthritic fingies in the church. <laughs> he throws that ghost right out of the church, right out of that old lady's fingers. So that's a difference. Eli can banish ghosts. Frank Cross cannot. Frank cannot. Here, so. Here's another difference for you. More people die and there will be blood. That's than true. Die on screen, at least, in Scrooged. That's true. We, we do have the lady, the old lady that dies from a heart attack from watching the commercial. Old lady dies. Uh, that other guy, the homeless guy. So there are some deaths. In two, that's two versus three. Yes. Although, uh, no, I guess he doesn't die. I was say Bill Murray dies at the end of Scrooge, but he did not. The whole point is that he did not die. <laughs> That's literally the point of the movie. Anyways, <clears throat> you're right. Two, two to three. But, you know, you'd be surprised to have two deaths in a Christmas Carol adaptation. So I think I think you might be right. <clears throat> uh, I think it, that nothing surprising about the title said there will be blood. Yeah, there there Someone's will gonna fact, die. <laughs> there will, in fact, be blood. Two similarities, I think, uh, are that both Frank Cross and Daniel Plainview have humble beginnings. Mm-hmm. Uh, but both of them have very like distinctly American jobs. I know that there's television everywhere and there's oil yeah. a lot of places up in America, but I feel like like oil magnate and TV exec feel like American things. Yeah, this this brand of TV exec especially. Yeah. O- oil, it just, I mean, that's the whole meme of America Online is, you know, 
all about oil. So right. it is a very American uh, pastime, I guess, prospecting for oil. <laughs> I mean, I guess an obvious difference is that eventually through the course of the movie, Bill Murray becomes a good person and he decides to give up his greedy and, you know, capitalist, I guess, ways. It, even to the so far, he's not, doesn't care about his job at the, by the end. He's just, you know, wants to be a good person versus you have Daniel who like, you know, the very last scene is him killing someone yeah. over, over some shit that happened a long time ago. So, you know, <laughs> I think that actually what you, what you bring up is, a thing that like, obviously we picked it to talk about greed and both of these men are very greedy, but I think that it, the, both of these movies have very important things to say about humanity as well. Mm-hmm. What little da- humanity Daniel Plainview has at the beginning and middle of this movie comes exclusively from HW. Yep. <clears throat> and when he pushes HW away, he pushes away his last shred of humanity. And similarly, what little humanity Frank Cross has comes from his brother and his ex. And at the beginning of the movie, they are distant as distant could be until he starts to slowly let them back into his life and with them, his own humanity. Mm-hmm. But Daniel just pushed HW away at the very end. He could have brought him back and then it would have been a happy movie also. <laughs> but he didn't do it. <clears throat> Here's another similarity. Daniel Plainview, uh, after the... Uh, oil rig explodes and Eli is being a dick about it. Daniel Plainview slaps Eli, Eli to give him a message and a direct quote from uh, a Christmas carol. Sometimes you have to slap them in the face just to get their attention. So <laughs> Carol Kane and Scrooge says that there's your similarity. I think that uh oh I had another one. Where is it? Uh ghosts humanity. Oh <clears throat> Daniel Plainview is motivated by greed to drill for more oil and that's how he gets his money and Frank Cross is motivated by greed to not lose his job and that's how he gets his money. It's about money for both of them. Mm-hmm. But I think it's interesting that theoretically Daniel Plainview is it they're the people that he fights against are not his superiors. Yeah. And although he's not bringing the fight to the oil companies. Right. <clears throat> and although Frank Cross, I think probably thinks himself incredibly superior to his boss. He knows that his boss, that he is that Frank Cross is an employee. He is a vice president. He is not the head of the company. Yep. So uh daniel plainview tends to appeal to the common man as much as possible he's like oh hey i'm just like you like let's figure this out and frank cross just tries to scare people into whatever it is he's selling yeah he knows and acts at all times like he's superior yeah and daniel has the facade of you know pretending to be like oh yeah i'm just like you guys yeah i'm not a i'm not a big corporation it's just me and my son we're partners and we do this together yeah I think that's all I've got for similarities and differences. I mean, I touched on mine too. So let's go to uh, some questions. Uh, <clears throat> if Scrooge were to happen today, 
Mm-hmm. Do you think it would still be TV? Hmm. I don't think so. It seems like, especially with, I mean, we could you just do it like it's a streaming service? <laughs> like, would that be the same? I mean, that would be the same tone, I guess. It would have the same idea of like making things to put in front of, you know, on people's TVs. But especially nowadays, I feel like, I mean, it could just be that because we're millennials that TV, as far as like cable TV is not a big thing. I mean, I don't understand it still is just not for our you know generation. It's all streaming services. Here's an idea. <clears throat> There's a movie called shop around the corner. That is, that was then adopted to in the long, hot summertime or whatever that was then adapted into pillow talk. That was then adapted into you've got mail. They're all of the same basic structure. And in the first two, uh, these two people that are seemingly opposed end up anonymously writing each other as pen pals and they fall in love. Pillow talk. It's a, a phone party line where before phone lines were as prevalent mm-hmm. as they are now, you had to share a phone line with someone and you've got mail is obviously email chat rooms. And I thought that if you did a modern version, it would not be unreasonable to have it to be some sort of online anonymous gaming service. Like they meet yeah. in like some video game and they're both, like they're both pro gamers, but they've got, I don't know, anonymous accounts for when they just want to have fun and they meet that way. What if the modern Scrooge was a YouTube streamer? Ooh, I like that idea. So all we got to do, famous uh, YouTube movies actor, Logan Paul, we'll just get him in on this. <laughs> I thought you were going to say uh, my youngest brother, Nicholas Tormblum, who does in fact have a YouTube channel. There we go. We'll, uh, <clears throat> he'll be our in. He, we can do a Christmas Carol in Roblox. Yes. Boom. There you go. <laughs> stream. So yeah, I think that would be interesting. Uh, do you what? What are other? Can you think of another Christmas Carol version that you like? How many have you seen? Many other Christmas carols. I haven't seen very many. Carol? As a person who's not huge on the Muppets, I do like the Muppets Christmas Carol. Okay, I've seen that and I do enjoy it. Um, I haven't seen the Patrick Stewart one, which I feel like I need to. It's very good. It's all on YouTube. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah. Mm, I don't think so. I I like Muppets. When I think of it, I think of the Muppets one. Yeah. I think that the Muppets one is the, is the best family one. You know, you get the Victorian era clothing and stuff, but it's still accessible for kids, but it doesn't, talk down to kids. I think Mm -hmm. that's why there's a discussion as to whether or not there's the song that was cut from the movie and if it should be in there or not. And I think that it should, because I think it's, I think that to cut it because you think kids can't handle it is not thinking as much of kids as you ought to. So yeah. Anyway, underestimating kids. Yeah. Uh, The Patrick Stewart one is good. The George C. Scott one is good. It's weird to see George C. Scott because it's still all British, but it's George C. Scott. So he just sounds like Patton. Uh, and of course, uh, the Jetsons one where instead of tiny Tim, it's their dog that is sick. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a weird show. Anyways, I think that I feel like if you're a TV show that has a Christmas special and it's not its own thing, it's either a Christmas Carol or it's a wonderful life. Mm -hmm. Do I have another question? Oh, I was going to say, can you think of other movies about greed? Hmm. While I think on that, I have a question for you. Oh, okay. Do you think these movies would work if you had flipped, if you had like switched the time period and the role? 
So we have like cutthroat TV executive stuff that eventually involves murdering people. And that the, the Christmas Carol is a, like an oil magnate hmm. who, if like, what if we flipped them? I certainly don't think they'd be as commercially s- successful, but there are. I was doing some research. Like it makes me think of um, um. Oh, and now I have to think of the movie. Go see what you were going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that I, when I was doing research to find other versions of Christmas Carol. I did see that there are a couple of like old timey America Christmas Carol adaptations. Uh-huh. Um, one was like on a ranch. <clears throat> so I would be, I would certainly be interested in seeing an oil magnate Christmas Carol. Uh, and I would, I, I would absolutely, I mean, I, I've not seen it, but I feel like there are movies that are about like the cutthroat nature mm-hmm. of television, like network or something like that. I guess that's about, news and not about like entertainment television although i guess the whole point of the movie is that news increasingly is entertainment television and not actual news anymore yeah. but <clears throat> i think would... seeing them i just like you said i don't know if they'd be as commercially viable i'm thinking like an american psycho type yeah okay because that is like all you know the upper level businessmen yeah Patrick i'd watch that i'd watch that too American Psycho is another movie about greed, kind of. There you go. That's also my answer. <laughs> it's, we yeah, it's, do... it's a different kind. It's not a financial greed. It's like no. power. Yeah. Like power over other people. We were going to do uh, Scrooged and Wall Street. Um, but I did There Will Be Blood just so that, you know, we could watch it. And I think that it's probably more popular than Wall Street. But Wall Street was one uh, that would have matched the time periods a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also a good movie about greed. Anyways, uh, last question. What did you give me for Christmas? I can't answer that. Well, uh, this is the last episode <laughs> what... of our podcast. <laughs> you know it's an odd shape. I'm sure It is. It's a weird shape. I don't know what it is. It's sitting in my car because we wanted to quarantine all our presents. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. And I'm very excited to open it in two days. And we got we to gotta be on the... Facebook chat messenger when we do that. Yep. I want to see your reaction to it. All right. <laughs> well, <clears throat> that's it. Thank you all for listening. And uh, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And uh, we love you. And we love you. <laughs>